good to see you all here. Great to uh, have everyone who's uh, joining us in the chapel service and uh, those of you joining us online. And uh, I'm excited about uh, this morning. In fact, this is this is probably the talk I've been looking forward the most to in this series, uh, The Dance, because the dance that I want to talk about today is uh, romantic relationships, romantic relationships, right? Um, so uh, I just think this is going to impact more of us uh, than we realize. Uh, maybe you're just getting started out, right? You're just now uh, dating or or you're wanting to date, right? Or you're, uh, maybe you're newly, uh, married, or you've been married for a long time, uh, it doesn't matter. Um, maybe you're a middle schooler here today, and you're like, this is so awkward, but that's okay, because this'll mean something at some point in your life. I, uh, I promise you on this. So, uh, thinking about this message, I was thinking about when Angie and I were early on in our marriage. Uh, there was a, a time when we bought our first home and we were so excited and we together wanted to uh, decorate it and do some remodeling on it. And we uh, started with this little den and uh, we made plans. And it was like, you know, if we're using this metaphor, the dance, it is like we were in lockstep. I mean, just dancing together so beautifully as we were picking out molds and colors and doing all of the wonderful things that we were, how we were going to decorate this. Okay. So then came the time to actually begin remodeling and it went pretty good until we got to uh, the wallpapering part. Okay. And I have, um, I have this theological belief about wallpaper. I know it sounds strange, but I, I do. I have a theological belief about wallpaper and it's this Satan invented it. Yes, that is his secret ploy to undermine marriage everywhere, right? <clears throat> because, um, you know, we handled the moldings. We even handled some painting. And we got to the wallpaper part. And this is back in the days where wallpaper, I don't know how they do wallpaper now, because I just don't want to do wallpaper anymore, right? Um, uh, but you had like the little trough thing and you had like that liquidy glue and you dip the paper all the way in that and you'd let it all soak in. Then you'd have to pull it up and then, you know, you'd go over and put it on the wall and, you know, do all this stuff. So we got a ladder in there. We got the trough and we're doing everything. And I don't want to say we got the first piece up and it went well, Okay. But, you know, we weren't bitter enemies yet. And then we get to the second piece, you know, and it's just like, I'm like, okay, we need to line it up off of this line in the middle of the wall and, you know, we'll work everything else out that way. And she's just like, okay, no, we need to start over here. It's going to be crooked, you know, looking when it gets up along the line over there. And so now we're trying to match the two pieces of wallpaper. And, you know, we've got different beliefs about like just, and at one point, like, and I think I was up on the ladder and I'm trying to hold it like this. And then she climbs up on the ladder to like fix the other piece on there. And she's straightening the piece I'm trying to straighten. And we get into this discussion more than that. Right. And her brother walks in, uh, Todd had been uh, staying with us for a little while and he walks in and he's just like, Hey guys, what are you working on? Right. And we're like, in fact, well, actually, we didn't even pay attention to him at first because we, we were so deep in this argument about how to do this. And then I remember looking over at Todd and his eyes were about this big. And he goes, uh, I'm leaving now. And just like, I got to get out of here because I don't want to have any part of this intensity. Ever have a moment where like you were the third person in a marital fight? 
right? And you're just like, why are you all talking about this stuff in front of me, right? That's, that's what Todd was going through uh, in that moment. Or ever have a moment where uh, you were so frustrated with, uh, maybe it was someone you were dating, maybe it was your spouse, and the two of you like got into an argument or an intensity of it that you just, it was like, we don't care who else is around right now because we're so locked in in this thing right now. And just because like, there's something about romantic relationships that, that, that pull us up to the highest highs, but pull us down like to the lowest uh, lows uh, in there. And, and we've all had those moments. And if you haven't yet, you will, right? Because it's like inevitable. And so my question is, you know, as you think about this, what, what what's the ladder you're standing on right now? What what's what's the thing you're sorting through in that romantic relationship that you're involved in? And again, I know in a room this size, like you may be at the place where you're not in that relationship now, but desiring it, wanting it. Others of you, like you've been in that relationship for a long, long time. But there's something about those relationships that go so high and so low. And we're going to look at a passage. In fact, we're, we're going to look at a lot out of a book uh, called The Song of Songs or The Song of Solomon. And one of the things that we will see out of this that I think we've all experienced, uh, even though this book brings this truth out, there's, we, we've all experienced this, and it's this. You see how romantic love is powerful but also vulnerable, right? There's something about it. Being in a relationship with that other person, it, when there's a romantic element to it, it is so unique, but it comes with a kind of vulnerability that we have to navigate in this. And what I love is there is an actual book in the Bible, Song of Songs, that we're going to look at here in a moment, that the entire book is written uh, to what it is to be in or what romantic relationships uh, are like. And it's uh, written in an ancient form of poetry. So it's actually eight poems. But these eight poems, uh, when you put them together, they tell the story of this couple. And, and we get to follow this couple through their relationship kind of over a long period of time. And so I want us to look at this. So when you look at poem one or chapter one, so each poem is a separate chapter. So poem one, uh, you know where it opens? Where they first see each other, right? And of course, they first see each other and this is where we begin to see the power of attraction, right? When they see each other, there's this thing that they're attracted about and they're just, there's pulls up all these longings. Remember what that was like? Remember the first time you saw someone and all and like you felt different in that moment, right? And remember what that was like? Um, I remember when I first met Angie. I remember the first time we met Angie. It was a long time ago. We were really young. Um, now, Angie doesn't remember it. She knows about it because I've told her about it, but I know she was there, but she has no real memory of it, which is a little disappointing to me. But that's kind of how the encounter went as well. I, I think we were in like middle school or high school. I know I was taking piano lessons. 
not real excited about piano lessons. In fact, I took mine first so that I could get it out of the way so then my sister could have her lessons. So we went over to the piano teacher's house um, and she taught me and then my sister and I'm waiting around for my sister to finish up. And lo and behold, if Angela Follett doesn't come walking in the door early for her piano lessons right after my sister's. Oh, I was smitten, right? I was just like, oh, who is this girl? Like, I just remember thinking, oh man. So then uh, she, I think she, or one of her brothers or sisters was there. She comes in and she sits down on a couch in a little living room next to her. And I was so cool the way I just sauntered in there. Like I didn't even notice her, you know? And I thought, I just, I gotta talk with this girl, right? So I, I, I'm acting all cool and I go over and I sit on the couch um, and she was sitting on the couch and I made sure I was like, I was on the far side cause I didn't want to look, you know, like I was too desperate or anything. Right. And sit in the middle. So I sat on the very end and I sit down and I'm just playing it all cool. And you know what she did? She just got up and walked away. And that was the end of it. <laughs> just like, oh, right. And you see this, right? There's this thing where even in chapter one, they're so enamored with one another, but they also reveal this vulnerability. What if the other person isn't attracted to me the way I'm attracted to them? What? And there's, and you know what? That continue, there's this thing about romantic love that there's always these unique vulnerabilities that oftentimes we don't experience in other relationships. And so then poem two kicks in and poem two kicks in. And now they begin this dating relationship and it is just poetic line after poetic line uh, describing their delight and their longing and how attractive they are. Like all of these, all the things you would think of um, in a passionate romantic relationship. Um, but there is this theme uh, that really comes out here and it actually comes out in chapter one. In fact, it will come out in every single chapter. It just, it reoccurs over and over and over again, which means we need to pay attention to it. And really it gets at the crux of what I want to talk about here uh, this morning that I think is really, really important. And it is this, you see how the human heart longs for connection. And friends, I really mean this. There is a part of the human heart, your heart, my heart, that longs for connection. And it just comes out in this. And romantic relationships, whether it's dating, um, whether it's early in your marriage, whether you've been married a long, long time, we all feel this. We all have this desire for connection. Um, in chapter 2, verse 8, uh, I, I want to read to you just a little bit of a line that it kind of expresses uh, this. In chapter 8, uh, she says, the woman says this, uh, look at this if you want with me. It says, listen, my beloved. And it's like, I, I think I hear him. I think I hear him. And there's this, always this movement toward uh, throughout all of these poems. It says, uh, listen, my beloved, look here he comes. And this just captures this kind of romantic look. Leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. He's just, he's like a little rabbit or a deer hopping along, coming towards me, right? And when you think about, right, and we laugh and you should because there's like this goofiness to it. Like just like he's bounding along because he wants to find, you know, his beloved, right? And, uh, and we think about this and you think about young people and you watch them like when uh, someone that they're really attracted to 
she walks in the room and they're like, oh my gosh, I just, what do I do? And they just, and they act funny and goofy. Ever remember a moment where you act funny and goofy? You know, like you walked over to the couch, all cool. And you're just like, I'm just going to swagger over there. And I'm sure if any of you were there and you would have watched me, you would have been like, he is so making a move and it is so see-through. We know what he's trying to do, right? Uh, but here's the thing. If you're a young person here this morning or watching this and you're like, you know, are they making fun of me? Here, here's what I'd say. I'm making fun of all of us because this never goes away. Um, I was in, I did senior adult ministry for a short stint uh, early on in ministry. And I remember doing an event and there were a number of widows and widowers there. And, and we got to the event and like, they were like middle schoolers. Like they, like the way they, like, I was just like, and it just hit me. This never goes away, right? There's always these moments where like attraction grabs our heart and it, it moves us and compels us. Uh, think about this. Um, one of the big shows right now is the golden bachelor, right? The golden bachelor, right? There's just this part of the human heart that longs for connection, never goes away. And so then we get to poem three. Um, and this is where they get married and they start their wedding and they they, right? This is their chance to start build, building a life together. Uh, and I will uh, note that there's no mention of wallpaper uh, in this passage because, right, that's not good. Um, uh, have you ever thought about, and I'll say this, depending on where you're at in this, um, I remember a time when I just thought, you know, if someday, I can, I can pull this all together and I get to get married to Angie. It'll be smooth sailing, right? It's just right. All the hard stuff is in the dating and figuring this romance stuff out. And once I get, you know, once we're married, you know, then it's just going to be easy, right? And maybe, uh, maybe you're not married and you're looking forward to marriage or something. And maybe you believe that. Uh, I hate to disappoint you. But it's not going to get easier, is it? And some of you that have been married for a long time, uh, maybe you'd go, yeah, you know, I used to think that. I really thought that. And now it's like, like what happened, right? It just, those highs and those lows are there. I think there's, uh, there really was a part of it where I felt like um, once Angie and I get married, it is like we have crossed a finish line. Ah, no. Right. I mean, we're only in chapter three and it's an eight chapter book. Right. And they get married. There's a lot more to happen uh, in this. Um, we get to chapter four and it's their honeymoon. There's a whole chapter kind of dedicated uh, to their uh, honeymoon because this is about romantic love and it's passionate and it's it's uh, everything. And then some that you think it would be right. But then we get to chapter five. And there's some things that, uh, one thing in particular that I really want you to notice about chapter five. And the beauty of this, what I love about this is, right, they've longed for one another. They started dating. They got married. They had their honeymoon. And now, now they're a married couple doing life. This is where we pick this up um, in chapter five. Um, and, and we're going to see them struggle at a point here. And they're going to miss each other. You know, when you think about romantic relationships being all about connection, there's this thing that can happen, isn't there? 
where it's like instead of connection, it's like you miss each other in some way. And it can feel weird because, right, this is the person that you're filled with attraction for. Um, and maybe it seemed like at one point connection was so easy with this person. We were so compatible. We had so many things in common, right? And then it's like we missed each other. I can't tell you how many times I've heard uh, someone, uh, in a, uh, one person in a couple, talking to me about like where the relationship is and they'll say these words. He or she, they changed on me. They became like a different person and it's not fair, right? And it's what he or she's describing is it's I'm missing them. We're like passing ships in the night on this thing. Like what happened in all of this? And sometimes that missing, it, it happens in like silent ways. It's just, there's this just like distance. I mean, you may still be present, but emotionally you're not. Sometimes the missing, you know, involves lots of words and big arguments, right? But again, you can be, you can be standing on the same ladder as someone, right? And be missing them in those moments. And so I, I want us to, I want to, what I'm going to actually do, because this is very poetic, I want to read a whole section to you and then I'll come back and walk through it a little bit and explain what's happening uh, here. But I want you to just kind of hear it in its like poetic form and you'll catch a lot of what's happening and there'll be some stuff you won't, but we'll, we'll come back and, and walk through it. But I want you to catch this. So, uh, because there's this kind of twist that occurs here and this is, uh, Song of uh, Songs, chapter 5, and I'm going to start in verse 2. It says, it says, and this is her responding, and he is, he's kind of made a move toward her, and this is how she responds. It says this, verse 2. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my lover is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. Use that term on the next date that you go on. Just, you know, when you make dinner reservations and you say, yes, um, I'm here and my flawless one is here. We're here for dinner. Just try that out. Okay. I digress. Where was I? Let me find it. Okay, I got it. Uh, Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of night. I have, and, and, and listen, there's this little switch here. I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I have washed my feet. Must I soil them again? My lover thrust his hand through the latch opening. My heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my lover, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh, and on the handles of the lock. I opened for my lover. But my lover had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but I did not find him. I called uh, him, but did not, but he did not answer. Right? And so there's this thing that happens. So, so I want you to picture the scene here of what, what's going on here. So um, it's probably like at night, and there's this, and uh, her husband is like, 
um, he, he wants to have a romantic encounter, right? And he's like, I know where she is, right? She is in her bedroom. And so he goes to her bedroom and he's going to be just real romantic. And he knocks on the door and he says these beautiful words, you know, oh, my darling, my flawless one, man, what a name, my, my flawless one. But she's in this state where it's like she's kind of in a half dream, half awake, it, it says. And it's like, she's like, you know, I kind of hear, is that him? Maybe I'm just dreaming about this. And, you know, okay, I get what he wants, right? And her, and she's just like, oh, man, like, am I going to have to get up and it's just you know, put my robe back on and my feet are already clean. And then I'm going to just like, it's just, I got a headache, right? That's, that's what's going on here. Right. And he's like, he's got his hand on the latch door, just gently, you know, rattling it just a little bit. It's me, you know, and she's just like, Oh man, you know, right. Um, and, and then, and then it's like, she starts to think about it. She starts to wake up and she's like, Oh, He's so cute, right? He's on, he's waiting for me on the other side of the door. And it's like, and it says, and her heart pounds and she's like, and all of a sudden it's like she's drawn in and she's just like, okay. And it, right. And so then she goes up to the door, right? And she's saying these things. He's like, he wants me. He's there. And all she can picture is that she's going to put her hand on that door latch. And on the other side of the door latch is her lover her partner, her friend, her husband. And she opens up the door and he's gone. He's down at the sports bar watching football or something, right? And she's like, huh? Like, and you have this picture, right? In this profoundly romantic poetry, right? And it's just like, no, just didn't happen. They just miss each other in this moment. And here's what I want to say, right? Like, like this is a thing because this is a part of what goes on in romantic relationships. There's going to be these moments where we're going to miss one another. And what I love about, um, scripture on this is that it includes this. We get to feel the disappointment. In fact, you go on and read it and she goes outside and she's talking to the watchmen and like, you know, where's my beloved? And it's just like, and we've all had these moments where, where there is this miss and it leaves us in a different kind of spot, doesn't it? Right. It leaves us in disappointment or it leaves us in frustration. Right. I thought we were going the same direction in life and now it feels like you want this. And I want this. You've changed. Or what happened to you in all of this? And you know the other thing it can do? It can leave you wondering, is there something wrong with me? Why doesn't, why don't they desire me, right? The, the way I thought they would. Or like what's, and it just, it can really turn us inside out. And here's why. Because we were made for connection. And in a romantic relationship, there's so much weight on that. And when there's a miss, we feel it. Now, here's what I want to do. Originally, we were going to end this series this week. But just talking with the preacher team, like there's, there's no way to go through all the material that we really wanted to go through. So next week, I'm going to come back and pick up on this idea and look specifically at ways we end up missing our partner, 
our date, our spouse, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, whatever it is. There are all of these things that we end up getting pulled into ways of dancing that push us apart. I want to deal with that uh, next week. But here's what I want to do here this morning. I want to just work off the assumption. It happens. We're, We're going to miss each other. We're going to find ourselves misstepping in that dance. We're going to step on one another's toes. Uh, One of us is going to go one direction. The other is going to go the other direction. And sometimes it can be so frustrating because you can get into a kind of dance that you don't like and and just be asking yourself, how do we we get back into that beautiful dance? How do we get back to that dance where there's a kind of connection that fills our souls and there's something, we we experience the beauty of that romantic relationship. So I want to talk about, right? If we just, it's a given. We're going to have moments where we're going to miss each other. How do we find a way to, to move back toward one another in this? That's what I want to talk about uh, here. Um, and oftentimes, uh, let me set it up with this. Before I get into the application, let me say this. Oftentimes what I have found, and I'm going to say this out of my own experience, out of a lot of years of being married and changing what I think and believe a lot about marriage just from, from just being married, right? And, and I would have said, you know, uh, decades ago, I would have said, man, you know, Angie and I got into this big fight over wallpaper. We need to learn some negotiating skills. We need, like, we need to go see a counselor or a pastor and talk about, you know, conflict resolution. How do we deal with issues where we don't get along over the issue? And I would have thought of it as there are these issues, right? What, and, and think about this. And it's not to say that they don't contribute to it. Um, but think about most of our conflicts in romantic uh, relationships. There's some issue we can kind of point to. Maybe it's finances, right? Or maybe it's how you spend your time, right? Or like um, how you parent, right? There are all of these things. And we think uh, the, the most important thing would be if we can just find compatibility on that issue, it'll be so much better. And again, those are good things. Um, but maybe not the thing that I think comes out in this passage and not the thing I want to talk about this morning. There would have been a time where I would have said, uh, communication, communication, communication. I would have told every young couple that was struggling, uh, in their marriage or dating, you know, if there's conflict, you got to learn how to communicate better. You know what I've learned? There are some times where Angie and I have learned how to communicate better and it makes it worse because we're so much better at communicating in a way that makes it worse, right? Now, again, communication is good and it's important. But I think there are some deeper things. And you know where it goes? It's back to connection. It's interesting. Uh, there was a long-term study done out of the University of Texas uh, by a researcher and professor named Ted Hudson. And he did this long, long look at uh, causes in, uh, for uh, marriages failing. And he looked at compatibility and he looked at like, what are the issues uh, that are like marriage killers? And one of the things that surprised so many people out of this uh, research that they did was that increased conflict over issues had almost no effect on wrecking or blowing up a marriage. Marriages, uh, he found, could survive just fine. 
uh, even with lots of conflict. Um, compatibility, when we think about compatibility, like, um, you know, like, do we love the same things? Are we trying to achieve the same things here and there? Do our personality profiles all line up or whatever? Very little to do with uh, marriages failing. The biggest thing that caused marriages to fail was a decreasing sense of connection. In fact, uh, when he went to go and measure all of this, uh, when marriages would reach a certain point of, of a decrease in connection, uh, he could almost predict within four to five years that marriage would be over. Because, as Song of Songs points out, we need connection as human beings. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to offer two ways, two real practical ways for taking a step towards connection. Things that you can do regardless of what your spouse does, regardless of what uh, the person you're dating does. Uh, like it, it doesn't matter. There's two things that you can do that will help you move towards better and deeper connection because romantic relationships like thrive off of this. So um, two things. And, uh, and in many ways, uh, these may not make sense right at first, but let me, let me, I'm going to spend a little bit of time and walk through them. And I know that if someone would have told me this uh, early in my marriage, I would have said, well, that's really nice. But, and I would have gone to some other things, but man, I, I've become a believer in these things over a long period of time because I've watched what it's done in my romantic relationship with Angie over a lot of years. So here's the first one. Here's the first one. And it's available. Just available. Um, and uh, when I say available, right, uh, I want you to think about, just think about the passage for a second, right? And that little that little poetic story that happened, part of what created this thing where they were missing is there's a moment where one person was making a move in some way and the other person just wasn't available, didn't respond uh, to the words that were being said, or in uh, one case, just wasn't even present uh, in there. But when we think about available, I don't want you to think about it's just like, okay, I just have to, I just have to physically be present, right? Because it's so much more than that, right? We don't get off by just saying, well, I showed up. I'm here, honey. You know, we're connecting, right? You know, no, this, it's deeper than that. When you think about availability, um, think about it uh, in this way. The, the thing that is needed on the other side of this is for your partner, for your beloved to say, I know that you're there for me. Because see, we'll have a connection need and in a romantic relationship. There's a part of this that wants to know, are you there for me? Right? Are you there? Are you available to me emotionally? Because there's going to be moments where this is, this person more than any other person is the one that we want to turn to for certain, like, em moments that, that we've got an emotional need. There's something that we're trying to process. There's something that we feel and we want to be able to turn to them. Um, uh, it's, it's us saying, when you need me, I'll be there. 
I'll be accessible. I'll make my heart accessible to you. Whether it's a conversation or whether it's just to hold your hand, whether it's to be beside you uh, in a particular moment. Um, when someone feels worried or stressed out or in, uh, in, uh, insecure about something, are you a safe place for them? Because, right, if you want to have connection, then, then can you be available in a way that makes you a safe place for that person to turn? Think about this. Uh, if you're in a romantic relationship right now, or you just think about like ones that you've been in or would desire to be in, ask yourself, what would you want? Think about moments where you'd say, this is someone I'm partnering with in life in some way. What is it that you would want most? It's, it's that they would be there for you, right? Not in an unhealthy way, but this is a person that's dependable, that you can turn to, and they, they will seek to see you and understand you. Part of being available means um, I'm going to create some, uh, I'm going to know where I am, so that I'm more free to know where you are in this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself available. One way to think about it is this. Being available means making your heart and mind accessible to the needs and cares of your beloved. Okay? Um, uh, let me just, uh, let me, I'll tell you a little story uh, that illustrates this out of my own life in this. There'd be uh, all of these times when, uh, when grocery stores started doing the grocery pickup thing. Um, Angie and I loved that. In fact, Angie hated going to grocery stores and it wasn't like the thrill of my life either. And so now it's just like, we just pull up and you just put the groceries in our car. Great, right? And so then Angie would get the list all together or whatever and she's the one that kind of plans all of that stuff. And then she would, she'd ask me, she goes, um, would you like to go do the grocery pickup with me? And I'm like, no, <laughs> right? I'm busy right now, right? And it's like, it's not like it's going to take two of us. I mean, they even put the groceries in the car for you, right? And I'm just like, this is silly. And I'm in the middle of something here, right? Now, I wasn't saying all of that out loud, but there's a lot of that that was, I was thinking, right? And then she would ask me again. And then she'd ask me again and again. And it's like, oh, here we go again. She's asking me about grocery pickup. I don't want to do grocery pickup. That's just, it's just like, and there's this part of me where I was missing what was going on in her. I wasn't making myself available. And this sounds like such a little thing, but in a romantic relationship, there's this thing that has to happen where when there's a moment where there's like some tension or something and I was starting to feel the tension and I know the way I was responding was starting to create some tension in her, right? And so for me to just keep going on and just saying, you know, no, like, uh, no, I'm not, you know, you know, I, I'm just sending this different messenger and I'm looking at it at a, at, a, at a very surface level. What I'm not doing is I'm not thinking about it through the lens of what if my partner in life is just longing for a moment of connection and is inviting me into that. That didn't occur to me right away, okay? And then uh, there was like a moment where like the light bulb started to go on a little bit because as we were reading the tension and all of that, one of the first things you need to do uh, to be available is you have to know where you are. And the first thing I realized was 
I'm, I'm frustrated with her because she keeps asking me this. And the things that she says back are making me feel like, should I feel guilty about this? Like, is she saying I'm too busy and I, I'm not doing my, like, and I was just having all of this defensive stuff going on. And so the first thing I had to do is go, you know, I'm feeling kind of defensive. I'm feeling a little agitated. So here's the, the next thing you have to do to be available is say, whether I'm right or wrong about that, I'm going to set that aside for a moment and I'm going to make a different assumption about maybe what is happening here in this moment. What if this is a moment of desired connection from my soulmate? And it seems so little and funny, like going to get grocery, the grocery pickup. But I set that aside for a second and all of a sudden I started to hear her words differently. Like, she was wanting to spend time with me. She was missing me a little bit. And I'm like, well, what do you do? It's like when you're, when you're, when the love of your life is like, I miss you. And I'm inviting you to spend some time with me. And you're just like, that's not a good moment, is it? Right? That's, that's a moment where you can miss. But the second I made myself available, all of a sudden I started to read it differently. And you know what? She started to read it a little bit differently. Because here's what it does. In those moments where you set, like, where you set your frustration aside and, you, and, you, and you're like, okay, what is my partner, my beloved needing in this moment? It says, I care about you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you right now. I'm, I'm available. If there's something I'm missing that you need, I want to know. That's what it is to be available. If you just begin taking some, I promise you, some little steps to just go, okay, where am I at right now? I'm going to set that aside and I'm going to try and figure out maybe there's something with my spouse, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, this person that I care about deeply that's other than this. You want to know that. And I promise you, it will begin to change things, which sets up the second thing that I want to talk about uh, here this morning. Um, and this is responsive, right? So uh, once you make yourself available, right, I'll be there for you. I'll, I'll, I'll figure out what's going on in me and I'll set it aside long enough to try and understand you. Now you can take the second step and it sets you up to be able to respond in a different way. And here's the thing. If you put these two steps together, being available and responsive, those two steps together will move you toward connection constantly and move you towards connection, uh, sometimes in really powerful ways, in little ways, but ways that just keep bringing you back together. So once, once you have like taken some steps of being available, um, uh, now you can start to become more responsive. And one of the, and I don't have time to get into it in Song of Psalms right now, but one of the things that you see with this couple is they start learning more and more what it is to be responsive uh, to the other. Instead of just focusing like on their needs and their love and their passion, and everything, there's like this maturing that takes place. There's still all of this passion, but there's this thing where they start seeing the other person a little bit more. Their passion becomes a passion that responds more and more uh, in all of this. Um, and it sets you up now to be responsive. And when you think about responsive, responsive is now, it's just, it's literally responding with care and concern. What is the thing that I can do in some way that lets you know I value you? 
that lets that person know that you value the connection uh, in all of this. Um, uh, so when I think about like that, the grocery shopping uh, thing and going uh, to pick that up, I was reminded that there's a, uh, a doctor by the name of Sue Johnson and she has this great quote um, and it's this, um, and it's actually just a question. And it's a question that you can ask yourself, okay? And, I, I, and I've asked this question of myself in, in this, and it's this, do you want to be right or do you want relationship? Yeah, right? So in this moment, I can give her all the reasons why I'm so busy and her like subtleties about like why I shouldn't be this busy. I'll, you know, I'll give you some justifications for this. Now I'm working on the house. I'm doing the right? I can do that. I can show her how right I am or I can have relationship and respond to her in a way that is caring and concerning about her and about us. And, and there's something about answering that question and being able to come back and now um, match a kind of vulnerability that she has. You know, um, I remember a moment, right, where the, where the light bulb kind of went on and I realized she's wanting connection. She just misses me in this moment. And I remember in that moment, I was like, it changed how I saw it. And for me, it was just like, if you were to ask me, right, do I want, do I want my wife to have moments where she feels disconnected from me, where she would feel like a little bit alone, right? Or separated in some way. I'd, I'd go, no, I don't ever, like I'd be passionate about that, all these things. And all of a sudden it was actually being an available and then trying to step in a responsive moment that I saw that and I was just like, okay, now I can respond in a different way. And so sometimes, many times it's like, yes, I'll go pick up groceries with you. And not because I think you need it, not because, it's just because this is a chance to connect with you. Now, it's also changed moments where I say no to those moments, right? Um, but it, how I say no is completely different in all of this. Because the way, because now whatever I say, whether it's yes or no to going with her to pick up the groceries, that I could care less about that. It's really not about the groceries. It's about her and I in this moment. And if she's inviting me into a moment of connection, right? I might say, and I've, I've done this a few times. It's like, okay, I've, I've really got to finish up something here, but you know what? I'm going to miss spending the time going to do that with you. Or, and here's the vulnerable part, right? You know, I realize that I, you mentioned that I realize that I need to have some time with you as well. How about and then make the plan. How about later tonight we go on a date? How about we sit down and watch a TV show together? How about we go on a walk together? And it's, that's being responsive. It's in those little ways that out of understanding the need for connection, we all have those ways of being able to do or say that thing that actually pull as, as a response to, to the connection. Being responsive um, means this. Let me give you something quick here. Being responsive means turning into your, or tuning into your partner with a sense of care and affection that says, I value you. I matter to you. And so often we don't see it until 
we become open enough and receptive enough, available enough to kind of set our issues aside for a little bit and understand the thing that matters more than any of those issues is, I want her to know she matters to me. But there have been so many times in our marriage I didn't communicate that or express that. And we were like this. But there are these simple things of being available and responsive that start bringing you back to connection. I want to read just the last uh, part of the last chapter and, and close out with this. And I want you to think of this as like, a, like this couple, they, as they grow old together and the, their romance matures and they see love in a little bit a different way, in a stronger way because of what they have built. And it says this, starting in verse six, it says, um, place me like a seal over your heart. See, that's someone who is available, someone who's responsive. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. And it's just this testament that there's a kind of love when it's brought back again and again to being connected. It is strong. So think about how you can take a step towards connection. Why don't you stand? Um, I'm going to close this out. And as I.